Father, we boldly declare that today is the day that you have made. We'll rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Father, we're glad because of what you did for us in Christ when you raised him from the dead. And Father, we invoke that name over every heart and every life, over this service. And Father, that hearts would be touched, lives would be changed, destinies would be overturned. And Father, we never tire praying this prayer. Lord, help us all to get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we bid thee, we beg thee, we call on thee to come. And Father, we pray thee, to thee in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. And welcome to the Fredonia edition of Family Church, one of ten locations meeting out. Uh, meeting throughout New York, Pennsylvania, and the world. And so we're just so honored and thrilled to have you here. Again, we want to welcome all of our first-time guests, return guests. Uh, of course, our church family here and church family serving in other churches and all those watching via live stream. Uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the kids to their program. And kids, if you haven't done so, you can be dismissed and... Uh, as they're going to be ministered to down there, uh, we'll be ministered here. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Last couple of weeks we were talking about weaning, and there's so much more we could have shared along that line, but it just seemed good to me and the Holy Ghost just to kind of change direction and start on a new topic here, especially uh, now that we are in the fall season, September season, um, you know, folks primarily are going to stop their traveling and, and so forth, but we still have people out, uh, and we're grateful for that. And so as we get in all the family here, people are more focused, uh, being home on weekends and, and so forth. Uh, it just seemed good to start a new subject of study in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. And for those of you that are visiting, um, we endeavor uh, to teach on the Bible, and it's really important for us that you see that what we, we share is in the Word of God, and plus that way you can judge it for yourself. And we invite everyone to bring their own Bibles and follow along. But if you don't have a Bible, we will endeavor to have the Scriptures on the overhead screen. And for those of you that are watching online, we want to encourage you to do exactly what we're doing here. If we're worshiping, you go ahead and worship. If we're giving, go ahead and give. If we're opening up our Bibles, go ahead and grab your Bible or your e-device and follow along. We found that you'll receive so much more when you become a participant in the service, not just a spectator. So Ephesians chapter 1, uh, we're going to start with verse 15. Wherefore? I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his glory in his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, now in this world but also in the world which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him behead over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. 
Here we read a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus. And not only did he uh, pray, uh, pray it for the church of Ephesus, but he prayed it for all the churches. And we, we must note that this is just not a prayer for us to look at and say, well, that's a nice prayer Paul prayed and, and just kind of put it on a plaque and, and look at it and just take note of it as a history lesson. But uh, it, it's given for a reason that this prayer is a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer. He prayed this under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And, uh, and it's recorded in the Scriptures, so it's for our learning and for our admonition. And uh, really, when we look at this prayer, we learn many, many things. The first thing I cannot help but note that Paul prayed differently than most of us. You know, when we pray for people, you know, if someone's sick, we say pray, we pray this, Lord, heal them. If someone is under oppression, Lord, deliver them. If someone has a financial need, oh, Lord, supply their need. Notice that Paul didn't pray anything along that line. And so that means either Paul or us is more in tune to the way we should pray. And I, I don't know about you, and I can't speak for you, but I speak for my own life. I'm, I'm going to go with Paul on this one. I'm going to dare to believe Paul knows a little bit more than I do about prayer. And so the more we can line ourselves with the way Paul prayed, because I, 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 I read the Bible over probably a hundred times. I didn't see any of the prayers that I pray recorded in the Bible. And I don't know about you, but maybe yours wasn't recorded either. So Paul's prayer was recorded in the Bible. So it's for our learning and our admonition. In really looking at this prayer, this is the best way to pray for yourself and for other believers. And we're going to look at this prayer, and it's going to be the catalyst of where we're going in the series. What is this prayer for? What does this prayer do? Well, in verse 17, we see this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So this prayer is praying that God would give the receiver of this prayer. Or Paul prayed this for the church of Ephesus, if you're praying for yourself or you're praying for another believer, is that God would give that individual a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, if it would just stop there, we would pray it and say, we trust that this prayer does something. Because just looking at that, what in the world does it mean? What in the world does it do? But Paul unveils to us by the Spirit of God what this prayer will do when we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And it's found in verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling. What is the riches of his glory in the heritage and the saints? So when the eyes of our understanding are enlightened, uh, when we have the spirit of wisdom revelation, what it's going to do is going to enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Now we have to understand this, that we have natural eyes you know, that uh, you know, we, we see through, but we all have spiritualized even if we don't can't see through our natural eyes we still can see through our spiritual eyes so we have we all have uh, two sets of eyes and so it's not necessarily talking about our our physical eyes but our spiritual eyes and uh, many other translations uh, say that the the eyes of our spirit would be flooded with light that the eyes of our spirit would see 
So this is a prayer. When we pray for the spirit of wisdom revelation, it is a prayer that the eyes of our spirit may see things, may understand things, may know things. And so that our spirit would be dominant and to see clearly concerning things. Now, here it tells us primarily why Paul prayed this prayer and why we should pray it for ourselves and other Christians. Uh, it says this, that um, when, we, when our eyes are enlightened, that we may see, see what? Number one, it says the hope of his calling. Now, that's, that's a powerful thing. What is the hope of his calling? That is his plan for your life. I believe every Christian... Every sincere Christian, that's the number, thing, number one thing that they want. I know that's my number one prayer is, you know, I pray John 17, 4, just about daily. What does John 17, 4 says? I have glorified thee on the earth, and I finished the work that you called me to do. See, the, the work that he called me to do is the hope of his calling. It's the thing that I was called to do. And it's a hope of us calling. It's, it's God's desire that everyone would walk in it. In order for us to walk in it, what? We have to see it. I mean, you know, we, we, if we have no understanding of a plan, purpose for our lives, we're, we're not going to walk on it by accident. We have to get there by purpose. And so this prayer is to help us see our spirit. See, hey, God's got a plan for my life. Not only to see that he has a plan for my life, but to know what the plan of God is for my life. And if you're like me, uh, you know, for many years, my, especially in my younger years, you know, I, I'd cry out to God, God, what do you want me to do? God, here am I. What do you want me to do? What, what's the meaning of all this? Well, the answer can be found praying in these prayers. The eyes of your understanding may be enlightened that you would know the hope of his calling. You know, Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father, of course, he went home to be with the Lord. Um, he just it was on his heart to pray uh, this prayer and the prayer found in Ephesians chapter 3 and just focus on it for a couple of weeks. You know, he, he was a very prayerful person, a very consecrated, dedicated person. He was in the ministry. He was pastoring. You could say, man... He was doing the will of God. He was following the plan of God. But he, he set aside a couple of weeks just to pray these prayers. Uh, sometimes three times a day, sometimes five. You know, whenever you get a chance, you just bow his knees and say, Lord, I, I pray, give unto me the spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge of you. And he would pray the whole prayer. And we're going to look at the whole prayer uh, shortly here. And he said after about, oh, maybe a few weeks of doing that, his eyes of his spirit were enlightened. He, he began to, to look at the Bible in new light and says, you know, it's, the, the Bible became, number one, a new book to him. The, the Bible became alive, but also the ways and means of God came alive. They'd begin to understand what I need to be doing. And he said to his wife, he says, what have I been doing? And, and he was in the ministry for 15 years. What have I been doing these last 15 years? I, and he said this comically. He said, I you know, of course, he was a pastor in the Assemblies of God, and they, they would have deacons. And he said to his wife, I wonder why the deacons just didn't come out and tell me to get out of the rain, because he, I was so clueless in understanding what God wanted to do. Well, here, here was a man in the ministry, a man who was very devout and, and, and won God's plan, but it wasn't until he prayed like Paul prayed. 
you know, scripturally. How many know when we pray according to his will, he hears us? So it's God's will for you to have the spirit of wisdom revelation. It is God's will for you to know the hope of his calling. And so uh, the, this prayer is tremendous. We, we could just stop right there and say, you know what? Next couple of weeks, I'm going to pray this for myself. But uh, it's very interesting when God gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of our spirit, our understanding would be enlightened. We would see clearly. And it tells us three things that this work on. Of course, we looked at the first thing, the hope of his calling, how grand, how noble that is to know his plan, his purpose, his will for our life. But also it says this, that we would know what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, what in the world does that mean, the King James? It simply means that you would know that what has been provided for you in Christ. The Bible says this, that all the promises of God are yes and amen. That uh, God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. That uh, we've been given these exceeding great and precious promises. That by these promises, the Bible says, we may be partaker of the divine nature. That we may escape the corruption that is in the world. See, when we know the promises of God and have a light, we won't struggle. We won't struggle to be healed. We won't struggle to prosper. We won't struggle with relationships. We won't struggle in life because God has already lavished on us. Everything we need in the beloved, every promise to overcome. You know, and yet so many times, folks, dear Christians, struggle. They're, they're a victim in life. They're, they're crippled in life. Well, is God lying? No, he, he's already gave it. He's already bestowed upon it. But if you don't see it, you're not going to lay your faith on it. You're not going to lay hold on it. And you're, you're not going to walk in it. And so right there, wow, if I pray this, my eyes will see what God's plan is for my life. Number two, the, the Word of God. And that's why what Brother Hagin said the Bible became alive to him. That, uh, that the spirit of wisdom, revelation, then I would see the hope of his, what is the riches of his glory in the heritage saints. That, that the scripture become alive to you. Have you ever done that? You've read something over and over again. And, and just like reading the newspaper, not much light, not much understanding. But man, you, you read it and, whoo, that's alive. Whoo, did, did you know? Did you know? And, and it's been there for you know, the last 10 years you've been reading it. But what happened? Your spirit saw it. Revelation came. Light came. Well, Pastor, I've never experienced that. Well, I'm going to tell you how. Pray this. The eyes of my understanding be enlightened that you may know. Well, I don't want to be selfish. Pray for myself. Here the apostle Paul, he ceased not to pray this for the church. You pray it. How long you need praying until it starts working in your life? With Brother Hagin, it was about six weeks, I think it was. He just prayed it over and over again. Just prayed these prayers. And so, to know the hope of his calling. What is the riches of his glory and inheritance in the saints? And there's a third thing, and this is going to be the focus of where we're going to go. And the first two, we could camp there and shout and dance and run about and say, glory to God. I, I, I know how to get the will of God, how to know it, how to get the Bible alive to me. But it says this, that the eyes of understanding may be enlightened. The third thing is that we would know the greatness of his power towards us to believe. 
Actually, in verse 19, it says, excuse me, I, I misquoted. I didn't say, I said greatness. The Bible says exceeding greatness of his power. Not just a little dab will do you. Not just enough to get you by in life. Just enough to, oh, oh, you finally made it for that test and that trial. No, the exceeding, that's a good word, and greatness. You could just said his power, but it, it's exceeding greatness of his power. Towards us to believe according to work in his mighty power. Now, a couple of points here. And, of course, we see the exceeding greatness here. Exceeding means more than enough. Greatness means, you know, big, grand, and wonderful. But notice, this is God's power, of course. But where is this power directed, this exceeding greatness of His power? Notice this, to us, word, who believe. When we become a believer in Jesus Christ, when we become a born-again Christian, there is an exceeding greatness of power available to us. Well, you know, in churches, denomination churches have prayed and saying, Lord, send the power. Send the power now. Oh, Lord, I'm so weak. I'm so frail. I'm just a worm. Lord, just help me to hold on to the end. Well, my friend, you need the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Why? That you may see and know there is, a, according to God's description, this is not man's description, this is God's description, exceeding greatness of His power, not your power, His power towards you who believe. Yeah. And as you, as you know, most Christians don't know this. They go through life struggling weak, frail, you know, you know, just stumbling and, and, and just not, not walking in, in victory. Did God lie? No, it's simply that they don't see it. They don't have a revelation of it. Well, that's why this prayer is so important, that your eyes may be enlightened, that you may see not only the hope of His calling, not only, only the promises of God, everything God bestowed upon you, but there's exceeding greatness of power directed at you. Now, notice, you know, it could have just stopped there, but notice it tells us how or, or when this power was directed towards us in verse 20. That's, that's a beautiful thing about the Bible. It just doesn't give you a statement and leave you clueless. Well, what's that mean? It gives you the details. It gives you the understanding of it. So this great and exceeding power was directed towards us in verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him, meaning Jesus, his own right hand in heavenly places. So this, this exceeding greatness of power was directed to usward. But it happened to well, what we call about 2,000 years ago is when God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, if you ask any born-again Christian... And do you have them swear in the Bible? Do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Yes, I cannot be saved unless I believe that. And they would be right. But if you were to have the same Christian, did you know when God raised Jesus from the dead, there was exceeding greatness, exceeding great power available to you at all times when he did that? No, I'm, 
I am just still trained, praying to God that He would send the power, that He would send the blessing. Life, life is so hard and difficult. Well, it is if you don't know, if you don't understand, you know. You know, if you don't see what the Bible says. And that's why these prayers are essential for the love of God. I beg of you, if I could, I would slice my wrist right in front of you and say, please pray these for yourself. I mean, I got some of you waking when I said that. You know, I, you know, I would beat myself on the back, but it didn't work for Martin Luther, so I thought I'd do something else. So, you know, how many times you, you can present something so gold and grand? And people look at, you know, that's, that was a nice sermon. That was a nice sermon. Oh, I was blessed. <laughs> Do it. Glory to God. That's why I'm so extreme. Paul ceased not to pray. The eyes be enlightened. That you know. Yeah. Thank you for those four amens. So God, God wants us to see this. God, you know, we, we look at this and we kind of grovel. Oh, yeah. Salvate, you know, saliva. Yeah, this is what I want. God says, no, I want you to have this. That's why he sent Jesus for you to have this. He wants us to have this more than we want us to have it. Now, the thing he wants us to see is this power, which was wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And we got to see how this power affects us on the earth. And for that, we got we got to go forward to chapter 2 in the book of Ephesus. We have to understand this, and when Paul uh, wrote this epistle he didn't write in chapter and verse how many write letters maybe some of you do you know that'd be interesting that when you write a letter chapter one verse one you know and, and you, you write and so forth there might be some of you that do that but you know I don't you know and so what he, he is saying in chapter one is still continuing in chapter two so uh, sometimes when we have these dividers we think oh we're, let's not go on to another subject but it's all the same subject um, chapter two and verse one thank God for references now we know where everyone is on the same page we, we don't minimize references but we, let's not be limited by them in verse one of chapter two and you hath he quickened who were dead and trespasses in sins. So we see God tells us about exceeding greatness towards us who believe. And it talks about Christ being raised from the dead. And now he begins to address us how we fit into all this. And so it's very clear, and you. So he is talking about us, you and I here. And so God wants to see what happened to us when God raised Jesus from dead. And notice what it says, and you hath he quickened. Now I'm reading on the King James Bible. I like it because it's very poetic and very, very great. Uh, it's a great reference and, and it has very great poetry in it. Uh, you know, it's been used as a standard for hundreds of years. And there's some of our brethren that won't listen to me unless I get out of the authorized version. So I do it for them as well. So the word quicken, quicken is not a word we really use much today. But uh, maybe your Bible uh, says it just very clearly, made alive. Quicken means to be made alive. So it's talking about God wants us to see that we were made alive. Alive, you hath he made alive, 
who was dead in trespasses and sins. Now again, it's not talking about a, a, a physical quickening. And it's not talking about a physical death here. How many know that we were not made alive physically when we got born again? We were made alive spiritually. So it's talking about a spiritual thing. All this is spiritual. The eyes of your understanding being like the eyes of your spirit would see. And here it's talking about your spirit nature was dead. And he made it alive. And so... Here, you hath a quicken that were dead in trespasses and sins. Now again, if he would have just stopped there, we would accept that. Yeah, we were dead in trespasses and sins. But he goes on to explain how dead we were. Why we need to be quickened. Why God needed to help us. In verse 2, gives us a beautiful commentary about all of us. Remember, and you. So it's talking about you and I right here. We're in times past. You walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past and lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. So here we, we have a beautiful commentary why we were made alive, why God had to help us. Number one, it tells us in our lost condition, Outside of Jesus. Uh, I, I had a man just uh, last week ask me, what, what do you mean about being born again? I, I'd never heard that. What, and so, this, this is why we need to be born again. The Bible's very clear. You know, because some of us would just accept it and say, we need to be, okay, sign me up. But there's many of us, why, why do I need to be born again? What, what is that? Well, here it tells us why we need to be born again. Because before we're born again, we walked in verse 2, according to the course of this world. What's that mean? Outside of Jesus, outside of being born again, you're, you're not walking on God's road, the hope of His calling. You're walking in the hope of your calling, of your understanding. And here it's, it says, this is the course. This is the road. This is the path of the world. You know, Jesus said this, that um, wide was the road that leadeth to where? To destruction. So here it's talking about what Jesus was saying. The path, the road. That, that outside of Jesus, you're, you're not on the road of, of God's highway. You're not on the road to God. You're on the road of the world. And that road leads to hell. That road leads to destruction. Well, that's why we need to be quickened. We're on the wrong road. That means we're not going to go to the right destination. Instead of going to heaven, we're going to go to hell and it, it just doesn't stop there it gets deeper and darker <laughs> and we walked according to the prince of the power of the air so we know this as Christians it's so important for us to follow the spirit of God to follow God's plan and the Holy Ghost will lead us and guide us and direct us. He, he, will, he will direct us in all the promises of God. And he'll direct us in the plan of God. He, he is the leader. If we were on a parade or playing follow the leader, as a Christian, we want to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. And He's going to lead us in the right paths. Here it says, outside of being born again, if you're not born again, 
not only are you on the wrong road, you're, you're following the wrong spirit. You're, you're following the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil himself. And so instead of following the spirit of God, we are following the devil. We are following the spirit of demons. Knowingly or not, that we just follow. We're on this road. He is the Pied Piper. And he is leading us through media, leading us through wrong ways of thinking, doing our own thing and our own life outside of the life of God, this road. And knowing it or not, we are following the leading, the guiding, the wishes and the dictates of Satan. Why do we need to be born again? Two paths. Well, you know, I know there are some bad sinners out there. I'm not as bad as Adolf Hitler. I'm not as bad as Obaden. Uh, these recent uh, what's that? What's that? Obama, yes, Bin Laden, yeah. He's so old news, I forgot about him already. You know, it used to be Mussolini, used to be Hitler, Stalin, and now we ought to come up with new criminals for this generation. Yeah, all right. But anyway, we look at that. You know, I'm just thinking the bombing in Oklahoma City. But that's 20-some that's years ago, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, so anyway... You just pick all the bad people that you know. All right. And you could say, well, I was raised in a beautiful denominational church. I kept the Ten Commandments. I'm not as bad as, as all these bad people throughout history. I, I'm a good person. I go to church. See, that's the thing. Unless you're born again, you're deceived. You think you're on this path. But according to the Bible, you know, you're in the path of the world. You're being led of Satan. And it says this, whom we all had our conversation. That word conversation means conduct. Even the most moral person, no matter how noble their intents are, that unless they're born again, they're on the path of perdition. They, they are motivated and led by Satan, and they know it not. Pastor, are you saying all the precious people, denominations aren't born again? Yes. And see, they, you, you mean the devil's like, yeah, because unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. No wonder that Satan would, would promote these things and, and get their hands off these things because as long as they think I'm a good Christian, I keep the Ten Commandments, I go to church, I, I'm on the right path and I'll die and go to heaven. How do you know? They, they follow the Pied Piper right to hell. Yeah. And so that's why it says we all had it. We all had our conduct. We all had our lifestyle. And so here, remember Jesus said this. He said it to uh, Nicodemus, who, who followed the Ten Commandments, who, who went to church just about every day and tithed and gave and, and under the law followed it to the T. And he recognized there's something different about his religion and Jesus. He, he was following the, the law and following the doing to others and, and so forth. It says, no man does the miracles you do. We don't have miracles in our religion. That's a good indicator. And you know what Jesus said to the most religious, devout, and holy person? Religious person. This is unless you're born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. And see, religion is on the road to perdition. 
with an understanding. Now, why am I sharing this? There's, there's someone who needs to hear it. I'm speaking by the Spirit of God, trying to reach out. I don't know if you're watching or here, because this is certainly not on my notes. Religion will keep you happy and, and doped up thinking, well, I'm good. I go to church. My grandma went to church, so forth. But Jesus said, unless you're born again. See, unless you're born again, you still have the nature of Satan in it. You, you, may, be, you may have noble intentions and noble works, but unless you're born again, you'll not see the kingdom of God. And here it says, every single person, good, moral to Adolf Hitler, that we're all on this road. Some people get there before we do, but whether it's religion or just being an, an, an outlaw in society, we're on this road following Satan, leading us into perdition. This is why we have to be born again. That's why he said, in you hath he quickened. You hath he made alive. And it goes on, it says that we were by nature children of wrath. See, unless you're born again, your spiritual nature is wrong. We're, we're talking about the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your spirit being lightened. Then when you're born again, God can lighten your spirit to see. But if you're not born again, the eyes of your spirit is closed. It's separated from God, no matter how good you think you are. And here it says, by nature, we're children of wrath. Like it or not, that outside of Jesus Christ, we have the nature of Satan in our spirits. We are children of the devil. By, and in other scriptures, by our nature, we are enemies of God. How profound that is. Does that mean someone who was raised in church and just kept themselves and, and never did, you know, broke ten commands, must say no. Uh, unless they're born again. Their nature is the nature of the de devil. Their nature is the nature against God. And yet how shocking that is. But unless your eyes are enlightened. How many dear precious folks have been on this road to perdition? Because they have not been born again. That's why God had to do something for us. That's why we have to be born again. That's why it's an ultimate lie. I'm a good person. I get to go to heaven. No, you're not. You're a child of Satan. Your nature's all messed up. You're an enemy of God. And unless God stepped in, your end would be like Adolf Hitler and Stalin and Obama. Salon. What was it? Oh, so yeah. You know, that's what lack of sleep will do. Yes. Oh, whoever's out there. G give me someone else that's more notable today. What? Edwin Layson. You know, oh, what, what, what? <laughs> I know you're all sanctified. You can't think of any bad people. Yeah, I'm thinking Timothy McVeigh, but that's 20 years ago. You know, I know you're all sanctified. Says, oh, I don't know any bad people, Pastor. I just watch godly things on TV and YouTube, and, and I don't hear the news. And, and don't mention any politicians. Let God judge that one. By nature. So all of us... A very sad shape. But thank God. In verse 4. But God. We saw us. Pitiful. Unable to help ourselves. But God who is rich. In mercy. For his great love. Wherein he loved us. 
See, God, who's so good, who God is a God of love, could not leave us in our sinful fallen state, could not leave us on that path, could not lead us on the road to perdition. His love was so great, he had to do something about that. I like what the Amplified Bible says. But God, so rich is he in his mercy, because of in order to satisfy his great, wonderful, intense love when he loved us. That is worthy of meditation. Here we are on this road. We have the nature of Satan. We're following Satan. We're, on, we're, we're enemies of God. God could have said, As la vista, baby. Go to hell. You deserved it, and we would have deserved it. But God has such a great love and compassion. It compelled him to do something. What was it? Verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins. Again, the Bible is the truth. Unless you're born again, you're dead. No man can say, well, I'm good enough to get to heaven. No man can say, you know, I was raised in church. I deserve heaven. No, this is our commentary. The, mo- the sooner we accept it, yes, we're going to die and go to hell. Unless we, need Jesus. we need a Savior. You ever think about it? If we could have been all right with the Ten Commandments, why would Jesus have to shed his blood for us? It's only by the blood of God that can wipe away our sins. Not our goodness. The Bible says, and again, by the Spirit of God. The Bible says our righteousness. That means our good deeds, our, our pious behavior is as filthy rags before Him. So choose you this day, the road to perdition, or you submit to the word that realize, you know what, outside of God, I am hopeless and helpless. But God stepped in. Verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, dead, spiritually dead, not physically dead, here we have that, that phrasing, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Notice, again, the word quickening. And notice the word together with Christ. And this is what God wants us to see. Now, remember, we talked about the exceeding greatness of His power to who? To us word, to you and I, who believe when He, when he raised Christ from the dead. We were quickened. And here we, we see that we were dead. He quickened But we see something that is, we all need a revelation of. That we were quickened or made alive together with Christ. What's that mean? This is what God wants us to see. That when Jesus died and went to hell, Jesus took your sins, your iniquities. The message Bible of Isaiah 53, everything that was wrong with you, God put on him. See, all that stuff would have kept you out of the kingdom of God. Man that needed a Savior. And so Jesus went to hell in your place, in my place. Jesus suffered in hell for my sins and your sins. He, he suffered the, what we deserved. He suffered. 
But after he suffered and, and suffered for us, the Bible says that he was quickened. What does that mean? Made alive. Now, many people don't believe this. They, they call it heresy. Jesus died spiritually in hell. Remember at the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For the first time in eternity that Jesus was separated from the Father. Why was he separated from the Father? Was Jesus a sinner? Was Jesus doing wrong? Did Jesus, you know, turn on God? No. He bore our sin. He took our infirmities. He, he bore the sin on the world. When sin entered into his spirit, his, his spirit became dead just like ours. And he went to hell. That's the reason Jesus could go to hell, because he, he went to hell as it were a sinner. And he suffered for that sin. Not his sin, but our sin. And this is what God wants to see. Because many people say, well, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. They have no idea. Jesus went to hell for you. Jesus was separated from the Father for you. Jesus went to that pit of hell for you. Suffered for you. But when that was all, the justice was satisfied, the Bible says he was made alive. Where was he made alive? Where was he quickened? In hell. But this thing, you know, some people can't even swallow that. They're too religious in their mindset. They go, no, no, that couldn't happen to Jesus. My, my, not my precious Jesus. But God even wants you to know further that you were quickened together with him. When Jesus was born again in the pit, after becoming dead in trespasses of sins, of our sins, his spirit was made alive in the pit of hell. He was quickened by the Spirit of God, born again. He is the first begotten of the dead. He was made born again in hell. And we, we could cheer that. But notice it says this, you were quickened together with Him. Where? In there, in the pit of hell. Well, I, that's what, I, I don't accept. I'm just telling you what the Word says. And this is what God wants you to see. When Jesus was born again in hell, that's where you were born again in hell. No, no, I got saved in my bedroom August 10th, 1938. No, you spiritually, the reason you can be born again, the reason you can call on the name of the Lord, that 2,000 years ago you were with him. He died with your sin. It was like if you were there and we were made alive together. You know, if you're going to go on a trip together, that means you're in the same car and same vehicle. You know, if you went to Alaska, another one to Florida, and we say, oh yeah, we went together on vacation. Uh-uh, you got to be together. You were quickened, made alive together. And something amazing happened when you were made alive. Jesus was made alive. Turn your Bibles to Colossians. I'm fixing the clothes, and this, this is the introduction to my introduction. God wants us to see this. God wants us to know this. If we get this in our spirit, we'll never have a victim day again. We'll never, never 
when Satan shows his ugly face, never cower in fear and intimidation. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13. And you. Say you. See, he's talking about us again. The Bible talks about us. Behind our back. And put it openly in the book. And you being dead in your sins. Sounds very similar to what he said in Ephesus. And the uncircumcision of your flesh. Oh, look at this. Mouth of truth. Hath quickened Together with him. Quickened means made alive. Where were we made alive with him? Quickened. In the pit of hell. We were made alive. Quickened. We were together. That's why baptism. We were buried with him in baptism. See, you have to understand, spiritually speaking, we went to hell when Jesus went to hell. Oh, I don't understand it. No, you need the eyes to understand and be enlightened that you may know it. You don't need to understand it. You need to know it. All right, and it gives us, it gives us a comment. You that quicken the dead trespasses and sins, blotting out the handwriting ordinance against us contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailed it to the cross. But verse fifteen, having spoiled principalities and powers. So what is he talking about? In hell. Remember, we were quickened together with Jesus. God wants you to see that. But also something else happened in hell. Verse 15, having stripped, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, trying thing over them in it. What? In its quickening. And when he was made alive, that's, that he, he spoiled principalities and powers. Spoiled means to strip off, to disarm. And the implication, it says when he spoiled, that he stripped off of himself. Now, when Jesus was dead spiritually, we, we were dead with him, the connotation here is all of hell jumped on him. That we have him. But it says here, Jesus stripped him off. You ever stripped your clothes off? When did you strip off? When he was born again. Now listen to these other translations. The Weiss translation. Having stripped off and away from himself the principalities and authorities, he made a bold example of them, leading in a triumphant procession in it. You see that? He stripped them off. Principalities and powers, we know this, are forces of darkness. So here we see that forces of darkness oppressed him. When he was quickened, he flung them off. The Weymouth translation. And the hostile princes and rulers he shook off from himself. And boldly displayed them as his conquests, when by the cross he triumphed over them.
Not only did Jesus defeated them by stripping them off, it says that he, he made a display of them, a show of them openly. Um, the Weast, an example of them. The Weymouth, he boldly displayed them in his conquests. Now, I'm, I am fixing clothes, but I'm leading to a point. Jesus flung them. And here it said that Jesus defeated them. And is a very stronghold. He that had the, gate, the, the keys of hell and death. In the very stronghold of Satan, Jesus defeats them. And not only defeats them, it says that he makes a show of them openly. He, 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 he put it on for display. His victory. And you have to understand that back then, you know, we, we haven't, you know, we don't see this so much in our civilized era. But back then when kings went to war, and when a king defeats another kingdom, they, they would capture, try to capture the king and its nobles alive. Why did they want them alive? Because then when they go back to their own uh, cities, towns, and nation, they put on a big parade. That, you know, all the, the warriors, uh, that, that they would march with the king and march, that they, we've defeated our enemies. They would, they would have a procession, and then they would have all those that were captured on display. And maybe you've seen it in the old English movies, then everyone would be grabbing tomatoes and onions and throwing at them and, and you know, just... And then they would stop, and the, 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 the reigning king very often would, would get the, the defeated king and put his foot on his head. Then sometime, gets a little R-rated, takes off his head. <laughs> Publicly showing the defeat of his enemies. You know, we, we shout, and we're grateful that Jesus took the, the keys of hell and death but what God wants you to see is you were quickened. When the principalities and powers were stripped off and defeated, you were with Him. I don't understand it. You don't need to understand it. You need to know it in your spirit. Your head will go on tilt. Just like all the promises go on tilt. Uh, you have a mental capacity for them, but you don't have a reality in your life because you need a revelation of this. In essence, you know what this says? You were there when Jesus stripped them and defeated them. It was as if you, yourself, defeated Satan and all the hosts of darkness in the stronghold to oppress. You were with Jesus' spirit when he flung them and made alive, you were made alive, and you were there. And Satan remembers your face. That you're the one that defeated him. You're the one that stripped him. You're the one that put him underfoot. You're the one in Jesus. You, you were marching right along Jesus. Look at these. All these principalities and powers are defeated. You did it in him. Now, in closing. That's introduction, introduction. Now 1 John 4, 4 makes sense. We quote it. 
We try to convince ourselves of it. We give pep talks to ourselves about it, but we don't see the reality of it. 1 John 4, 4. For those of you visiting, what I lack in depth, I go in length. You can go to a dead 15-minute sermon, or you can get something that will change your life. And if you can watch a four-hour football game, and shout and be excited about, and you get antsy after 30 minutes, we don't even want to go there. 1 John 4, 4, you are of God. It means you're born of God. When were we born again? In hell with Christ. And notice this, and have overcome them. Who's them? All the principalities, powers, rulers, the darkness of this world, every foul thing of Satan's kingdom. Notice, you have overcome that. Is that future tense? No. Is that present tense? No. A lot of people are trying to make it present tense, trying to make, I'm just trying to overcome. I'm trying to beat the devil. I'm trying to get the victory. I'm trying. You don't need to. You don't need to. You have already. You have overcome them. Why? Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Jesus is in you. You were in him. When he flung them off, you flung them off. You, notice it didn't say he overcame them. You overcame them. You did. Well, the devil's bothering me. We'll get the revelation of the wizard boss. Remember? Now, I don't know about any of these new versions. Again, remember, I'm 40 years, all my illustrations of bad people were 40, 50 years ago. But as far as I remember the Wizard of Oz, remember, I am the Wizard of Oz. Big, intimidating, all-powerful, you know, and people are afraid. But what happened, Toto? Remove the veil. See, that's what the, the eyes of understanding may be enlightened, that you may know is the veil of our flesh to be pulled away, that we see truth and reality. And what that great mighty wizard was a helpless little man. You're, you're dealing with a helpless, defeated, stripped foe. And if, when you, if you keep heeding to him and the smoke screen he puts on, he will be all powerful in your life. But when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. You have overcome them. And so God wants us to see this. And when we see it, our lives will be changed. I've gone too far. We'll just have to pick this up next week. Father, we thank you for your grace, your goodness, and your mercy. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us in Christ. Lord, I know it's your heart's desire that we wouldn't wait till we got to heaven to find out all that we missed. All the provisions that you provide, you want us to know here and now. So, Father, we pray. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding. Give us a spirit of wisdom revelation that we would know the hope of your calling. What is the riches of your glory and inheritance, saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe? And, Father, may not one of us end up on the wrong path, walk in the wrong path, but in the that you prepared for us before the foundation of the world. And so, Father, as we have our, bow, our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, I know by the Spirit of God that 
There may be someone here, someone watching. That they need to be born again. You, you so love them that you, you, you focus much in the message to, to, to talk about the necessity of being born again. That, that just being good in yourself, being raised right in yourself and doing good kind deeds does not make you born again. Anymore does that make a donkey a racehorse. It's a different nature. You can dress up a, a, a donkey and put a race harness on it and feed it race, racehorse food and, and call it a racehorse, but it does not change the nature. We all, the Bible says, we all have the wrong nature. That's why we need to save it. That's why Jesus had to save us. There's nothing we could do to change our nature. Only God can change it. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. And God is reaching out to you. God is calling out to you. And if that's you and you want God in your life, heads are bowed in high schools, would you raise your hand? When you raise your hand, number one, we're not going to embarrass you. All I want to see is, is who we're talking to. The once I see your hand, you can put it down. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. But we, it's also a little care that you're responding, God, that you're responding to the call of God. And so if you just raise your hand, and once I recognize you, you can put it down. Now, for those of you that are watching line, I can't see your hand, but go ahead and raise it. I can't see it, but most importantly, God can see it. And right now, when it comes to making decisions, remember the cartoons, there'd be two voices in our head. One tells us to write, another says don't do it. See, Satan is real, and he's not a, a man with a pitchfork and all that, but thoughts will come. No, I don't need to do that. I, I, I don't want people to think I need this. That is Satan, again, trying to keep you down his path, trying to turn you, trying to keep you blinded to the truth. But I, I want to implore you to accept Jesus, to, to go outside your mind that has kept you on a certain path and just say, Lord, I take you at your word. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need him to save my life. Is there anybody, anybody here? Would you raise your hand? Anybody here? I see the hand. God bless you. Put down anybody here. Anybody else needs Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'm going to give another invitation. Maybe you heard you're watching online or you're here and you have been born again. You know, yeah, I got born again. I can tell you when. A big change in me. But you know right now you're not walking with God. The Bible, we call it backslidden, but the Bible calls it a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, which simply means they left Father's house, they left the fellowship of God, they left right living, right paths. It doesn't matter what got you off the right path. The most important thing is to come back home. When the prodigal son went so far into darkness, when he came himself, started taking his, his path back to his father, his father ran out and met him. His father didn't scold him. The father didn't say, what's wrong with you? You did this. The father ran out and restored and blessed him. That's what God will do to you. He's not going to beat you. He's not going to say, you did this. Not, you did that. He's going to restore you. He's going to bless you. He's going to treat you like you've never sinned. But you got to come back to him. So right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Anybody here, you need to rededicate your life. Or if you're watching online, you need to rededicate your life. Go ahead and raise your hand. Anybody here, I see that. God loves us all. Heaven is so important. The path of God is so important. And it's easy to get off the wall, 
uh, off the right path, but God is reaching out to stop. And for those of you that are online, raise your hand. You can put it down. I didn't see it, but God sees it. We had a couple of hands raised here. But this is a beautiful thing of God. I mean, you know, the raising your hands doesn't save you. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what we're going to do is we're going to call on the Lord together. That way, uh, you know, no one feels embarrassed or maybe they don't know how to pray or what to pray. This is why we're family. We're family church. We're going to pray this prayer with you. And if you raise your hand or should have raised your hand, go ahead. Call on the Lord. Pray together with us. Let your heart agree with it. And God will hear and you'll be born again. Same thing for those of you that are watching online. So let's, let's pray with these that raised their hand or should have raised their hand. Those present, those watching live, those watching on archives. Let's pray this together. Dear God, I believe that Jesus is your son. He died for me and rose again from the dead so I could be saved. This morning, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. I'm now your child. And my life never, ever be the same again after this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, know that this, the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now it's morning here, maybe you're watching it at night or in the afternoon. doesn't matter the time, make it present where you're at. God has heard your prayer. Eternal life has come in. And what do you do now? Well, the first thing you need to do is get in a good church. I mean, it was in place like this that you, you saw, hey, I, I, I'm on the wrong path. I need to get right. You don't get that in Walmart. You don't get that in a movie theater. You don't get that on Netflix or Amazon Prime. It's only in the house of God where you hear the truth. The truth will make you free. So find a good Bible-believing church that teaches being born again. Not just a church, but teaches born again, teaches the Bible. And uh, number two, of course, read the Bible for yourself. Get in it. The Spirit of God will enlighten your eyes to see. It'll become life to you, especially in the New Testament. Start reading the Bible. The Spirit of God will help you understand it. And, and of course, pray. How do you pray to God? Just talk to Him like you talk to a friend. God wants to hear from you. And if you did pray that prayer online, go ahead and contact us. We want to help you get started. We want to rejoice with you like those that responded here, that their lives have been changed this morning here. Praise the Lord. Well, we certainly love you, appreciate you. I hope you got something. You know, it's my desire that we would get a hold of these things. That's why the Bible says you're more than a conqueror. Many people are trying to find that conquering badge. You are. You already overcame them. You already, you got to see, it's not a struggle to get somewhere. It's something's already happened. I, every time you go into a battle, I already won. I've already won this. I won that one, won that one. And you just breeze through it. No, I win. I already overcame. You know, it may not look like on the outside, but I already come. If I just remain standing, I win. Praise the Lord. But anyway, we got, we got that. You know, you guys are listening so good. And so, hey, here at Family Church, what we do is we like to close and worship and honor God as we receive the word. So we invite you to stand with us and uh, we'll, we'll just worship the Lord, then we'll dismiss you.